Hi, everybody. How wonderful to see you here. And my name is Corinne Kip, and I'm a grateful member of Koanon. Hi. And like Shelley said, uh, I can't believe it's been 20 years. Uh, but every year that I've been in, I have learned something, grown, and, you know, been guided to um, more joy and happiness in my life, better able to handle crises as they came up, and um, closer contact, I would say, to my higher power, too, to my, which I call God. Um, to start with, uh, as uh, a child, I'm the oldest of five children. Uh, there were four daughters and then a, a boy, and a brother. And uh, because I was the oldest, my mom uh, herself was not an alcoholic, but she was uh, an adult child of an alcoholic. So she had a lot of the same behaviors, a lot of the same problems, and never had the treatment or the help that she could have used. And um, so she was not really able to cope uh, with my younger sisters. And uh, uh, by the at age 10, I was... Um, put in the position of caring for them a lot of the time and of course not able to do it and you know a lot of mishaps happened and a lot of uh, covering up and so I feel that I was put into that uh, caretaker role at a very early age Um, and uh, I didn't like it because if anything bad happened that she found out about then of course I was the one who got in trouble you know if the younger ones got in trouble did things they shouldn't then of course it was my fault and uh, so that was uh, very difficult for me. Um, I can remember times where, uh, you know, with my baby sister that um, heating the bottle too hot, you know, and then burning her mouth and she'd be screaming. I can remember another time when she was really tiny. I had her on a twin bed. She rolled off the bed and fell on a concrete floor. Luckily, no permanent <laughs> damage from any of these things. <laughs> and today we're very close, uh, my sisters and I. So it um, that part turned out well. But because, and then also we had sexual abuse in our family uh, from our dad, which was, uh, you know, very painful, another very painful area that I had to deal with. And uh, so I was very anxious to um, grow up and leave home ASAP because uh, it wasn't wasn't a pleasant, uh, real pleasant place. And um, so uh, I did, uh, I was a good student. I loved school. And that was, uh, you know, one way where I got a lot of uh, attention and recognition was for getting good grades and for studying hard. And I loved to read. To this day, I love to read. I belong to book clubs. I, you know, uh, uh, have books sent to me every month. And uh, I, I love um, reading. It's a wonderful hobby. And... Um, program reading I do every day also. And uh, anyway, uh, so as a consequence of being a good student, I did skip a couple grades. And uh, by the time I was 16, I graduated from high school. And I was very anxious to go away to college, to get away from home. So um, with one of my girlfriends, my best girlfriends in high school, we hopped on the train, the um, Amtrak, and uh, we went up to San Jose. And I can remember... um, being in the club car and playing cards in there. And, of course, we couldn't get served drinks or anything because we were, well, she was 17, I think, but I was 16. And um, But it seemed like so grown up and so mature and like I was just going to be on that train, get off, and start a whole new life. And um, it felt like that to me at the time. 
So we uh, got situated in a boarding house, and uh, that's where we lived, she and I, uh, with quite a few other young women. And um, that was a fun thing, too. And uh, what happened uh, at that boarding house was uh, one of the local fraternities, uh, Pi KA, sent their young men over to act as our hashers, they called them. And then what they would do was serve the meals and do the dishes and things like that. She would hire our house mother would hire them to do this. And um, so one morning at breakfast, I was there in my uh, rollers and pajamas <laughs> eating breakfast. And uh, who should come in uh, but Don, <laughs> sitting right next to me here. <laughs> and anyway, he called later and asked me out for a coffee date. And um, he had no idea how young I was, number one, <laughs> but at that time. And uh, we, we did um, gradually get to know each other and become friends and go out for coffee. And as um, by the time I was 17, turned 17, and we had been going together, we got pinned, um, and I received his fraternity pin. And uh, I remember I wore it on, uh, on my bra underneath my clothing for a while because we didn't want to announce it right away. And uh, then I, I brought him home to meet my family, uh, and uh, this went pretty well. Um, and then uh, we got engaged, and uh, by the time I was 18, we were married. Uh, and we, uh, Don finished college, and we moved down to Southern California. I only uh, went and attended for um, a little less than one year at that time. And... Uh, then I, we were managing apartment houses. Um, but at any rate, we came down here, and uh, I ra- we rapidly started having our family, and I had uh, our four sons, uh, you know, one after the other. I mean, not, they weren't that close. but uh, And so I was a full-time homemaker or, you know, and, and mother for about 10 years. And um, this was a difficult time, but it was also, it had its, you know, many joys of that time, too, when, uh, you know, the boys were young and, uh, you know, how, how much I loved them. I, I really didn't feel that I was ready to be a mother, and uh, it, it put me back into that same role of caretaking that I had never really recovered from with my own sisters. And uh, so it, it was also a very difficult time for me. Um, but I loved each one of them as they came along. And especially, it seemed, uh, when our fourth son was born, uh, it, something in my heart just opened up in a new way. And I loved him um, more, really, much more than any of the others. I don't know why that was. But um, I just, I guess I felt I was ready at that time myself, you know, to be a mother in every sense of the word and, and to really give, give my heart to my children, and uh, it reflected on all of them where I felt closer to uh, each one of them uh, at that time in my life. And so we had just a lot of uh, wonderful times and family vacations and uh, things, you know, went on. But in the meantime, um, I had never really looked at the family disease of alcoholism and addiction, and it was swirling all around me with my... um, Grandmother and grandfather both being uh, alcoholics, my mom's people. And uh, my grandmother um, committed suicide. She was an alcoholic, and she committed suicide when she was only 50 years old. And that was very devastating to my mom and to the family. 
um, she took or did an overdose of sleeping pills. And then um, a few years after that, it seemed uh, when we were married, um, I had an aunt who was an alcoholic. And uh, she was in and out of the hospital a couple of times. And uh, Aunt Violet was one who was very fond of me and very nice to me when I was growing up and gave me, you know, extra attention. And uh, so I had a special feeling for her. And uh, she died of her alcoholism when she was uh, 42 years old. And uh, so this was, you know, um, very um, serious indicator of how much the family disease of alcoholism was swirling through, you know, our family. Um, And um, so as we went on with our sons, uh, also my youngest, um, with my sisters, uh, all three of them, all three of my sisters did use drugs and alcohol at one time, but my youngest sister was the one that really became an alcoholic. And um, just she, from the time she was a teenager, she never uh, had any real periods of sobriety. At one time, um, my dad, mother and dad, um, put her in a recovery home for a month-long treatment program. But uh, when she came out, she was only sober, you know, maybe a couple of weeks and went right back to drinking and using drugs. And uh, so, um, but I never really felt that it had affected me or that I had a problem with it until our own sons became addicts and alcoholics. And uh, three of our four sons became addicts and alcoholics. And uh, it uh, it happened when they were uh, teenagers, of course, you know, probably... um, 13, 14, 15 years old, um, they started experimenting with marijuana and uh, pills and, you know, whatever was available at the time. I think LSD and, you know, um, all of these types of things that were, you know, going around at that time. And um, as um, I felt really uh, bewildered as to what to do, I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I I would get mad at them. I would do a lot of the do's and don'ts. I'd yell at them. You know, I would threaten them. I would get mad at them. I would bargain with them, plead with them, (laughs) you know, have them make me promises that they didn't keep. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, really a a merry-go-round. And um, I can remember one time when our second son... um, took an, like an overdose or took sleeping pills, but I, you know, I don't, it wasn't really an overdose where he was out, but he took enough where he was sound asleep and we didn't dare leave him alone. And Don and I were going to the drive-in movies and we just loaded him into the backseat of the car and just kept watching him to make sure he was breathing throughout, throughout the movie. <laughs> and, uh, and he was a teenager at that time. Uh, so, um, you know, I did a lot of crazy things, just like uh, this morning some of you heard Don speak, and as he shared some of the crazy things he did, I did a lot of crazy things too. And um, so as time went on, uh, the older brothers, um, you know, started their younger brother uh, on drugs too. You know, they thought it would be fun to see a you know, young boy uh, experiment with it, and when so the youngest one, when he was only about nine, they got him high on marijuana, and you know then one thing led to another, and um, so as as time went on, uh, things worsened uh, more and more, and uh, there was trouble, um, you know there was trouble with uh, 
school grades. There was trouble with cutting school. There was trouble with um, all kinds of things. Um, and, in fact, one time we had um, a complete uh, drug bust at our house. Uh, our second son was selling marijuana out of the house, unbeknownst to us. And he had a full uh, scale in his room, locked in his closet, and uh, quite a stash of uh, pot. And um, I guess someone had turned him in, and they came. The police came with guns drawn, back door and front door, and burst into the house, searched the house, and you know confiscated all the stuff. And he was, of course, arrested, and everybody was taken into custody. Um, but then they were all released, except for this one son who was uh, selling marijuana. So uh, that was, you know, the type of life that went on at that time, and it was uh, it was very painful to me, and it was very. Um, it felt so out of control. I had no idea, you know, what to do or which way to turn. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would talk to different people and try to uh, find, you know, what to do, uh, which way to turn. And uh, eventually, as time went on, our uh, when our youngest son was finally in high school, um, his addiction became you know, very obvious and very terrible. And uh, where he was losing tremendous weight, he had uh, open sores on his hands that wouldn't heal. Um, and, um, you know, it, just, it was stealing from us. Um, he was, you know, uh, being gone all hours of the day and night. Uh, there were people, you know, calling for him. Uh, a lot of lower companions would come to the door. I remember I had one time a knock on the door late at night, and I went to the door, and there was this um, black man at the door that had my son's ring, uh, school ring. And uh, he said, you know, your son owes me this much money, and he, you know, better pay it and uh, or else kind of thing. And uh, if you want, you know, to get his ring back, you have to give me, you know, $100 right now. And I said, uh, no, you know, I'm not. And I just closed the door and locked it. And um, so that was uh, very difficult. But I knew that um, it wouldn't be right for me to to do, you know, those types of things, to try to, to buy off, you know, his problems. But I was very frightened because I knew that, you know, um, the violence could be carried out against him. And... Uh, so it was a very scary time, and um, at that point, I think um, I became very desperate, uh, along with Don. We both became very desperate, and uh, I didn't know exactly where to turn, but we went to um, an Al-Anon meeting, and um, being that we were still in so much denial at that time, there were people there that told very sad stories, and they were in a lot of pain, and um, we just listened at the meeting, and left and um, then we talked about it afterwards and I said you know um, I don't think that this meeting is for us because these people are really in pain and really in trouble and uh, so that's you know denial that's called denial <laughs> and um, but anyway a, a short time later things kept going from bad to worse so we went to a CA meeting we didn't know where else to go so we went to a CA meeting and uh, the people there were very uh, open and, um, you know, very kind uh, to tell us, you know, you should go to Kohanon. And um, the one young man that was there that was a recovering addict said, uh, you know, my mom goes to Kohanon and, uh, you know, it's really helped our whole family. And, uh, you know, she's learned a lot of things to, to take care of herself. So 
that's what we did. We started started in at that time, uh, and from the beginning, um, just having the tools of the program meant so much to me. Uh, the, our daily readers, the one day at a time, and the courage to change, uh, were so wonderful. To have those uh, readings every morning, and uh, to um, redirect. Uh, my mind to a more positive place. Uh, it it was just you know so helpful, and getting a sponsor um, and being being able to have someone have someone to talk to that understood this disease was very helpful. And my uh, first sponsor was really good because I would call her and want to tell her these long tales of woe that, you know, he's stolen all my gold jewelry and he's stolen Don's compressor and he's done this and, you know, he's uh, this and that, whatever it was. And uh, she would say, well, uh, what I want you to do is make a gratitude list and uh, sit down and you write at least five to ten things that you're really grateful for. Call me back and read me the gratitude list, and then you can tell me the bad things that happen. And uh, so it was a, a beautiful way of switching someone's thinking, you know, from, from negative to positive. And uh, so that's what I did, you know, and, and the, so the gratitude list became part of my life. This is something that I still do to this day. I don't always write it down, but I, I go through the things, and I'll always say, you know, thank you, God, for this wonderful day, you know, and thank you, God, for a good night's rest. Uh, and thank you, God, for letting me, you know, feel young and strong and healthy and able to do what I want to do. Um, and thank you, God, for, you know, having food to eat and a, and a um, you know, warm and cozy place to stay. Um, and I realized more and more that I needed to um, take care of myself in uh, the relations with my sons, the, uh, the addict sons, and also that um, I just needed to uh, learn more and, and put them in God's loving arms, knowing that he loves them even more than I do. And uh, so that, these were things that you know, really did help me. Um, and as time went on, um, uh, it seemed that um, our youngest son, who was the most severe addict and the most out of control, um, gained um, some sobriety. I mean, he uh, went through um, a detox voluntarily, and then he had a short period of sobriety, maybe three months, and he was going to meetings every night, and then, you know, he went back out. And then maybe he had um, six months. He would go back in six months, and then he'd go back out. And um, then he had a year. And uh, he felt so bad, though, still about himself that even when he had a year, uh, he wouldn't take a cake for that year because he just didn't feel like he deserved it. And uh, we had come to a convention at that time. He came to a convention and so did we, and you know we were hoping to be there when he took his cake because they usually have a birthday meeting, and uh, he he just didn't feel that he could do it, uh, so he didn't take a cake. Um, but anyway, he um, continued in the program. He had relapses. Uh, he ended up going through American Hospital three times for um, detox, and um, then coming out and going to meetings, um, and gaining various periods of sobriety. Um, at um, 
the best point in his life, he um, had nine years of sobriety. And uh, he, at that time, really put his life back together. And it was so wonderful for me to see this because um, it was like he was the person, again, that I loved so much when he was a little boy. And when he was a little uh, boy, he was always a sunny-natured, open-hearted, loving person. And uh, that's the person he always was. Uh, As we know, addiction is a disease, and it's... uh, a terrible disease. It's a deadly disease in many cases. It's a life-threatening disease. And um, so during these years of sobriety, he made so many amends to us. He became uh, an electrical contractor and took the test for that. And he, we have all kinds of uh, special lighting all over our house <laughs> that he put in uh, as one of his ways of making amends. And one of the things he had done when he was in uh, his addiction was um, he had stolen a Don's coin collection that he had had since he was a little boy. And so uh, one Christmas, uh, he uh, presented Don with this beautiful coin collection. It's a big book full of all kinds of coins that he had paid several hundred dollars for to try and replace that. And at the same time, he uh, presented me with uh, diamond and gold earrings because he had stolen my gold jewelry at an earlier time and uh so and we just had so much fun with him during these the time of sobriety uh, he and his girlfriend lived together and um she got pregnant and she had twin daughters and so we have twin granddaughters that we're so thankful for uh that they're here and they're actually 14 years old they're going to be 15 this uh next month and uh, they have been just a great joy to us. Uh, beautiful, open-hearted girls, just like he was. And uh, I can see so much of him, you know, in them. Um, with our other sons, um, they they were in, you know, in and out of trouble. Uh, the one that where we had the big drug bust, um, he was able to uh, be placed on probation because he hadn't had any previous arrests. And uh, that scared him into going underground with his addiction. He didn't stop, but he didn't sell anymore. And uh, he didn't, uh, um, you know, he was very um, protective, you know, to not let people know uh, what he was doing. A lot of times I had no idea that he was still using, and and he was. Um, So um, as as time went on... um, when he, uh, when our youngest son had the nine years of sobriety, um, he went back out, and um, we really felt that he would, you know, gain his sobriety again because he had done, you know, done it so many times, and uh, we always told him, you know, I know that you're going to get sober again, and and he stated he really wanted to, um, and I might go back just a little bit when. Um, when the boys were in their addiction, the one thing that I always practiced, and I've said this before, but it, to me it was very important uh, as I learned more and more program, was whenever I would see them, I would give them a hug. I would tell them I loved them. I would not give them any advice, and I would not ask them any questions. Uh, and that was really important because if I gave them advice, they wouldn't take it. If I asked them questions, I would hear things that I didn't want to hear. And so it's better just, for me, it was better just to uh, uh, do that. 
And I think um, one of the lessons of the program that I've learned over the years, too, is that acceptance is the key. Uh, you know, and that means uh, accepting what is because uh, we're powerless over any other person, place, or condition. Uh, the only person that I'm not powerless over with God's help is myself. And so um, in order to accept what is, uh, I can gain my own serenity and peace of mind. Uh, I can have joy in my life. And I also came to learn that even though I might have sadness or sorrow at the direction my sons were taking, I could also feel joy uh, for the you know happy things that were happening in my life. And uh, so it was always both and. It wasn't either or. It was both and. And uh, when um, my youngest son had uh, started school, when he was in first grade, I had gone back to college at that time myself. And I became a registered nurse. And so uh, when they were all in school, then I, w I went to work full time. And I became um, uh, a cancer oncology nurse at City of Hope uh, in pediatrics. So I took care of children with cancer. And um, I did that job. I went along well with my caretaking nature anyway. <laughs> and uh, so I see that now that... Um, each of our gifts um, can also be a defect of character, you know, depending on which way it's taken in our life. And so uh, with my, um, you know, having a loving heart and, and being willing to take care of people is a good thing. But um, flipping it over into codependency or enabling people, uh, addicts and alcoholics, is not a good thing. And so um, working to gain a balance on this in my life has been my biggest struggle, I think. Um, I'm in the process right now with um, five of the women that I sponsor uh, in doing um, step work. And uh, we're using the blueprint for progress for the fourth step, which is the Al-Anon uh, book for uh, doing your fourth step. And uh, so I do it along with them, and then we share back and forth. And uh, this has been so helpful because we're always learning and growing and uh, at every level. You know, no matter how old you are, no matter how long or how short you've been in program, um, you know, God is giving you a chance to start fresh, uh, to have a new way of handling things, to, um, to be a, that new person that you always wanted to be. And uh, so, uh, I'm, you know, just thinking of, of the other things that um, were so important to me about being in the program, uh, the sharing with, with other members, um, the openness and the honesty, the moving more and more towards rigorous honesty in my life and my affairs was, was wonderful. Because I wasn't, um, you know, raised... In the way that I was raised, in the way that I was a caretaker, I wasn't honest because I was always feeling like I had to cover things up uh, and mistakes that I made especially. So uh, this carried over into my uh, married life and my adult life. And it was wonderful to be moving more and more towards rigorous honesty in all my affairs. And um, anyway, uh, so when he went back out after nine years and um, he... Right along, I had wanted to um, 
get his sobriety. He talked about wanting to get back into his sobriety. And uh, this time he he started using cocaine, and uh, then he switched to the crystal meth. And um, it seemed as though that had a very, very bad effect on him. And again, he really went um, downhill. His girlfriend was also using with him. Um, I can remember one time, and they had the little girls, um, and they were at that time about mm, five years old, uh, that he came and he said, you know, they they had no food in the house and they had nothing for the girls to eat and... Um, you know, things were just filthy in the house. If you go over there, it was just a horrible mess. And I said, well, you know, uh, I would do this for the girls anyway. And I said, I will take you to the store, and, uh, and uh, you can come with me, and I will buy groceries, and you can take them home to the girls. And he said, why, you know, why won't you just give me the money? Why won't you just give me the money? I need to buy food for my children, you know. And I said, the reason I won't give you the money is because you're an addict, and an addict, if they have money, chances are they're going to use it to buy drugs. And I don't want you using one minute longer than you have to. And he heard that, and he said, oh. And he wasn't angry any longer. And he went shopping with me, and we, we bought the you know, groceries for the kids, the milk and the bread and the eggs and the peanut butter and all the usual, and um, we, you know, took that home to them. So they did, you know, did have food. Um, but um, things were just were not uh, going well, and um, his girlfriend actually went into the hospital. Uh, she's bipolar, and uh, she had uh, a breakdown and had to go into the hospital. And the other grandmother of the girls was taking care of the girls. And uh, during this time, he was using while well, he was um, home alone, and um, he. Um, a fire started in his house, and uh, he was killed in the fire. So he died of his disease, uh, secondary, you know, to the fire. And he was 34 years old when he died, and he left little seven-year-old uh, daughters. And um, so he's been gone now for seven years. And that very same year, that was 2001 when he died, uh, that very same year uh, he died in February and in December, my youngest sister uh, also died suddenly of the disease. She was at home with uh, her partner and her little boy, and um, she had been having pain in her side all day, and we don't know, you know, what it was. Uh, they had uh, called, I guess, 911 the day before because the pain was so severe, and um, they said, well, you know, you really should go to the hospital and we'll get you checked out further. But she refused to go. And the next day uh, in the evening, um, she again was having this pain and she, of course, was drinking. And um, uh, her partner was there with her in bed. And uh, she just stopped breathing and she just turned duskier and duskier, you know, really blue and then purple. And he tried to resuscitate her and he wasn't able to. And um, so she only had one child when she was 42 years old. She had her one and only son. And when she was 47, she died. So he was another little child, five years old, without a mom. And um, he's doing okay today. He's a, they live up in the high desert. And we do see him. Um, 
Uh, but the good part that came out of this, um, I know that God took him home and uh, that he has complete sobriety, our son and, our, and my sister and all the other relatives that um, died in this disease, that they're at peace, uh, they have sobriety, and they have complete recovery. And I also know that I will see them again. Uh, that's a very deep belief that I have, and that gives me a lot of comfort. And uh, from this time that these, this very, very bad year of 2001 happened, um, our other two sons were shocked, you know, and so saddened by losing their little brother. And uh, they both became sober. And they have, have been um, sober to this day. So seven years now, I guess, both of them have been sober. Um, and they um, are really, you know, living... Um, happy, joyful lives, and, uh, and I am living a very happy and joyful life. I'm thankful for every day that God is giving me. I'm thankful um, for uh, the women that I have sponsored, the ones that have come and gone, and the ones that I currently have. I'm thankful for uh, being in the meetings and being able to be of service to lead meetings from time to time and set up meetings and speak at meetings and... Um, it's, uh, it's a wonderful life to have the 12 steps and, and 12 traditions. Um, I encourage all of you to, um, to use the tools of the program. You know, uh, find people you can call. You can get a meeting, you can get phone lists at all the meetings, uh, Al-Anon and, um, and the Conan, and, um, co- you know, call people. Have five people that you can call when you're having a rough time. Uh, that is very helpful. Uh, get the books and do the daily readings. And uh, there's many other Al-Anon books that you know um, are wonderful reading too, besides the daily readers. And um, I really think that um, you know uh, it's such a blessing to have uh, the twelve steps, to have the meetings, to have uh, the loving people that you find here. Um, to have the compassion and the joy, the sorrow. Um, today I'm thankful for all the joy that God has brought me and all the sorrows because I know it's made me a, a deeper and a more compassionate person and uh, it's opened my heart to be more loving and realize how very, very important each and every person in your life is and you don't know how long they're going to be here. Uh, so, you know, my encouragement is to, uh, t- when you see them, if there are those that are in their addiction, just tell them you love them. Give them a hug. Don't ask them any questions, and don't give them any advice. <laughs> and uh, I think that's about all I have for today. I want to thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs>